What we do here is go back, 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 back. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 Nodes. So, here we are with Tony Torres. Hey, Matt. Actress. Hello. Thanks yes. for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so, we're, you know, I'll, I'll jump right in at the kind of, I, I think, the obvious part to go into, which is the way this even came about. Yes. Um, which intro. is, this is a surprise interview for me uh-huh. in that uh, part of me kind of launching this whole thing was, I've been thinking about it for a while, I've been prepping it, and just never actually doing just kind of kept holding back, all these logistical nightmares happening, and then finally said, I'm just going to do this. Yes. And... One of the uh, the things along the way was I had gone down a road with someone at one point to make this into a TV interview show, kind of like an Anthony Bourdain type of thing, like uh-huh. uh, where I would, you know, it was going to be like a big production. I would fly somewhere, interview someone in the on their yeah. turf, and do all this stuff. And at one point, I was like, you know what? I just kind of want to interview who I'm going to interview. I meet someone, I think they're interesting. Boom, mm-hmm. which is. What happened with us? Yeah. Um, so we just started working together on Goliath, um, Amazon original. Uh, you know what? Just get that because it's rocking a little bit. There you go. Yeah, just pull it out. Um, so Goliath with Billy Bob Thornton. And sure. uh, really, we just met each other last week. Yeah. Not even a week ago. Uh, yep. It was, yep. uh Yeah. Six days ago. Yeah, yeah. And it's been a it's been a great six days though, yeah. right? Like I feel like I've known you a while. Yeah. So we so we just started BSing on yeah. set, which yeah. is what happens. Mm-hmm. And you said something that made me go, huh, that's really interesting, to the point where I said, stop talking about yeah. it so I don't get your story <laughs> and it could kind of unfold and I don't want to know too much about you. Yeah. Let's do it on this podcast, which yeah. is uh non existent at this point. So um, basically you had kind of in passing said you grew up in Ohio outside Cleveland or in Cleveland, in Cleveland, in Cleveland. And you said that you had two parents that are addicts, mm-hmm. um, and two siblings, one's nine years younger, one's 10 years younger. You have a great memory. Yeah. Um, That's- well, it, well, <laughs> it was, it was enough to make me kind of stop me in my tracks and go like, I, I don't know you. I, yeah. I am not familiar with your work yet. Yeah. And except for the couple of days that we've done now. Yeah. yeah. And, but I was like, this is an interesting person and anybody who came from that and we'll get into it as much or as little as you want to, to me that, you know, the 10,000 no's overcoming obstacles. Yeah. I mean, you're I putting that by everybody seven. else. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're putting I'm on one million no's at this point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so to me, that's very interesting to to hear from someone and, and go like, it's kind of the point of this whole thing is, you know, you, you see people in a position, you know, for some people, they'll see someone on TV and go, oh, wow, they're on TV. That must yeah. be so glamorous. And, and it must like, have been so easy for them. It must have been I, so easy, yeah. exactly. Which I got it's one not, no, so I'm going to quit. Right. And for it's not easy for anyone. And then particularly when you throw that in the mix, I can't yeah. even imagine. And, you know, sometimes. I mean, it, what's interesting in 
hearing that about you as like, I immediately, like I go into this like Catholic guilt of like, oh my God, well, I've, you know, I haven't had it that hard and kind of um. like, like this thing of like, <laughs> holy crap, she's gone through all of this. Like, you know, I have like, I've had tons of obstacles. I wouldn't be doing a, a interview show, like, show this. like this if, if I didn't. Right. But I feel like I've also been pretty fortunate yes. in life. And yeah, I feel like sometimes, uh, you know, I, I went through this stage where I started saying my parents were in sales because they sold drugs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, a friend of mine who's very wealthy gave me that tip in passing at, like at a, like a, a joke over drinks. And I kind of took it because it's really easy to be alienated if you don't have some qualifiers, right? Like I went to USC or my dad is this, or right. I've done, you know, 11 short films. Like if you don't have any of those, it's really hard to be accepted in uh, a group, you know? Yeah. And so I would always uh, feel shame in saying it. Um, and I think two things happen, especially not so much now because now I'm working with all people who are, uh, am I side noting too No, much? no, no, I was just making, no, no, not at okay. all. I was just um, making sure that we weren't, it wasn't too hot on the mic over there. Two things happen when you're talking to people in a group who are uh, privileged. Um, is that one, if you came from nothing, it really, I feel like it really challenges their self-esteem if you do better than them. Yeah. So it's easier to donate to people online than to have them like cutting in front of you on the like right. success path, fortune path of life, right? Huh. Like that can be, it affects their ego more than the person that they want to be. Huh. Um, so that's really hard. And so then, just explain that a little bit. Like, what, what do you, like, I, I think I get it, but just explain that. Okay, like, I will never name names because I think every person is beautiful and every person has flaws. So I prefer not to name names. But I used to be part of a group that was kind of like bleeding heart liberals, right? Huh. And like, they donated to everything and talked about everything and read about everything. But... When it came down to it, if we auditioned for the same thing and I got it, there was this sort of look on their face like, like you've done you nothing. It? Like, how could you possibly? Right. This is bullshit. You know what I mean? Or like, sorry. Oh, no, no. Yeah, PG-13? you can swear. Yeah, I'm um, not going to have my kids Or like, how, just like, you get this moment where you see they really think you're nothing. Huh. Um, even though when their ego is not engaged. No, hold on a second. Just let me challenge you for a second. Please do. you do. think that's because of like some, because of your background or your ethnicity or I something think, like that? I don't think or you do can. do you think that's just actors being like I don't think you pit, can unlayer. Petty. Here's the thing. I don't think, I don't think you can unlayer. Um, I don't think you can, I don't think you can pull apart the layers of socioeconomic uh, status, right? Like I have layers. I have a layer of being from the deepest amount of poverty you could find in America for the most part, right? I have the fact that I'm brown. I have the fact that I'm a single mother. I have a, the fact that I will not pretend that I'm privileged. I did it for a short amount of time. And what I feel like is that it, it, it's, it does no service to creating value for people where I came from if I won't say where I came from. Right. Right. When people see me as a talented, confident, articulate woman, I need them to know where I came from so that when they meet somebody like me in the future, they won't dismiss them the way that I was dismissed. Right. Right. Wow. I need them to know that not just Steven Spielberg's daughter or whatever, even though not to like say, not to like name him as some like, you know, not awesome person, but right. like. Names have value, right? And I need what and and people, 
I don't think people mean to do the things that they're doing by any means. It's like an algorithm that we've all sort of like been ingrained with to see value in some places and not in others. And you watch your P's and Q's when there's value and you don't when there's not, right? Right. You're not purposefully hurting people without value. Um, But what I found was that for each layer, like the brown, the single mom, the fact that I let my roots dangle as I learned in a play that was built on poetry years ago. The fact that I do all these things is I, I create even there all, all of my disenfranchisees show. Right? right. And so the battle is harder for me than somebody who uh, graduated from USC and whose father has won an Emmy or an Oscar. Right. right? right. And uh, yeah, well, just, just so yeah, keep on please, that track for one, for one second, because I just want to make sure, because sometimes I go like, okay, yeah, someone gets pissed off that you got the role, and they're like, you're nothing, you've done nothing. What I'm saying they won't is say it to out be, loud. well, no, 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 they think it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I feel like people do that to me sometimes. They're like, oh, what are you up to? And you say what you've done. And, and like, it, it's usually with someone who, it's not with my tight friends at all. I feel like right. I have a tight core group of actor friends that, like, we really support each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even that, we are always honest with each other. When one of us gets a job, we're like, yeah, I'm fucking jealous, man. Like, you got an awesome yeah, job. That's and the that's, that's so, friendship. So I get that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is just, you, you know, is there also is the potential that this could be your story in your head that you go like, oh, that this they're looking at me like this because I'm single mom or I'm brown or whatever like that. And, and really, they're just going like... No, bitch, you didn't do as many plays as I did. How'd you get that? My life was a po- play, right? So, but, but no, no. so maybe I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is like, uh, I'm just, I'm kind of challenging it because. No, no, I, feel I like- get what you're doing. I get what you're, I get what you're trying to get at. But also that can be a bit of a gaslight, right? Like, um, and I, I don't think that's your intention by any means, but like to get into the nitty gritty of it, that can be kind of a gaslight. You don't see a lot of people who came from where I am get to the top. Right. And so it can't just be in their minds that it's really hard to go from rags to riches. Right. Because it is hard to go from rags to yeah. riches. And these sort of like micro thoughts and micro expressions, they play a role in yeah. all of this, right? So it's like, you can't really pull it apart. Yes. Like right. now that none of that stuff bothers me, it does seem to bother other people less. Yeah. So yes, I am carrying a story that is hurting me, right. but it also still matters it's to also them. True. But then when <laughs> I learn yeah. to take up as much space, like, I don't know if you know about like stock characters, but if you're doing Commedia dell'arte, which I studied for 10 years at the Actors Gang, they talk about how like the the how you know the top of the house they take up the most space because they own it right, right? and the servants are very small right in order to give up that space for the other person right yeah so it's like once i start taking up the same amount of space as somebody who went to usc yeah. now i challenge the whole right. it just i don't fit into the room the way that i did right. before and that's why I say I, where I came from, because right. now I I need everyone to know that that girl that uh, got into their school through a scholarship. Um, did it through a ton more challenges than they most well, likely did. And that you can't write them off because of this idea that they won't help you in some way. Right. right. Like I had people, you know, like 
all my friends were making short films and stuff. And like somehow randomly I was never in them because maybe I didn't know a sound guy or maybe huh. I didn't have a dad that could help uh, advertise the film or whatever. Right. Um, and now, and this all sounds very jaded and you're welcome to cut it, but it's the best I can do to tell you how it feels no, to no, be no, in no. this industry. No, 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 no. I love it. I but love like it. I'm now, actually, I've got so many thoughts I want to come in with, but I want to hear more of it. Now I'm one of the more successful people of my friends. Yeah. And... Not that I want to say like, ha ha, rub this in your face, but it's more like, I need you to know that just because somebody doesn't come with value, that you shouldn't assume that they will have value, right? You mean you shouldn't, you shouldn't assume that they will have no value? Yeah, that right. like, it's like, because we're all playing, we, it's a survival mechanism. No one's trying to be a monster, right? Because I'm Puerto Rican and I, I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, but like, no one's doing it on purpose, right? Everyone has to move their career forward, and so people have. They just they do. They have value in the sense of like, how can my relationship with this person or that person move things forward? Right. And what I'm saying in my need, my devotion to letting my roots dangle, is that just because somebody doesn't have any of the quintessential ideas of what value they might bring to your life, right. you need to pay attention to what they're saying and what what talents they're uh, projecting that aren't necessarily on the financial right. scale because that person could still become very, very successful. Right. And if you just treated them with respect instead of assuming that they look like you're made, um, right. It could be very helpful. Well, that's for you. interesting, and we won't name names. But the story you told me the other day of two different, very well-known actors celebrities. and celebrities, yeah. and uh, and how they, how one of them that you were working for maybe viewed you or treated you, and then another, yeah, uh, one who, didn't, I had who known- didn't know you came in and just didn't assume. Uh, you know, didn't didn't assume anything and just yeah. thought you were interesting. And one is to the talk kind of guy who, like, being bored would look in a dumpster, like if you were just bored in an alley waiting for like something and couldn't go anywhere and he saw a dumpster, he'd be like, "F it, I'm just gonna go see what's in there." Yeah, you know. And the other one needs things to be wrapped up, right? It's interesting. And they're and, both. And they're I, both A-list. Can I say they're both Academy Award winners? <laughs> they are both Academy Award winners. <laughs> um, and so one knew me for two years and. Still sort of like shushed me when I spoke because he was afraid that because I'm not afraid to say fuck, I might embarrass him in front of his friends. Right. And the other one was like, wow, you're really good at saying fuck. You must have some real depth. Tell me everything. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so like one understood that you have to turn a rock over. Well, wait. And there was – so you really loved that other one that was like, oh, you're really good at saying fuck. You must have depth. But is there also part of you that's like, oh, am I just a novelty to this person? Sure. There's definitely fetish issues involved in all of this Like, is this that person And also one of them gave me work right the one that kind of dismissed me a lot gave me work right. and the other one Didn't. just made me feel like the queen of the day every time right. i was around right, right. oh so, so like, that's good that it was every time you're around because with the other day when you told me the story and then how they got into it a little bit i was like huh there's also part of it you wonder in their if crazy minds their, if he has this thing where he just wants to show him up and he'll using you as of a, that goes into you know play. I mean? you'll never there. be able to pull that apart yeah. there are always millions of choices that you're making right at every, at any given moment it's very hard to pull that stuff apart but right. it it's still it's still interesting right like the one who dismisses me has done a lot for me yeah and the one who didn't I sort of like idealize the 
him because he just made me feel valuable every moment that I was with him. And then I saw him years later, right? Like how often do you bump into uh, celebrities, you know, um, at my level in my career? But I saw him years later and was like, hey, Mother Earth. Oh, my God. Tell me more. You know, like. Oh, that's cool that he, okay. So you made an impression. It's not like he was just like there and, you know, present in the moment and, and he does this all the time. It's like, uh, I'm sure he does. Like, here's the thing. It's like, there's no real idea of special. It's like people have a way of being. Yeah. Some people like the polished side of a rock. Most people like the polished side of a rock and he likes to flip it over and smell the dirt. Yeah. Right. And that I'm sure he treats most people. It's so funny. You say that, that that's a great way of putting it, but I was thinking about, I was listening to a buddy of mine's podcast, which is a pretty successful thing. And he's kind of like, you know, helped me along with this. And I was thinking just this morning about this whole thing. And I'm like, huh, I really like a lot of people and their podcasts are getting towards results. I feel like my interest in these interviews is actually deconstructing people and getting into the, yeah, the messy, that. like, untangled part of people that's more where my interest lies is yeah. like it, that that's in fact and it's, it's like what the whole people need to it. hear yeah people I'm, don't need to know another perfect person got an oscar well that's because that doesn't exist and that's the lame story we started telling in the 80s yeah and it's much better for every child and adult to know like you know when i found out i was on set of just to name drop for fun and i was in the makeup trailer with uh and she happened to mention, which I had never heard in an article, like, I never heard her, like, I mean, maybe I missed it, but I had never heard, like, a lot of coverage on it. But she had mentioned that she had beat cancer a lot of times. Huh. And I won't That's, speak I too much. I didn't know that. I, I, didn't, work, I don't I either. And Jesus, I hope she doesn't come after ago. me if she didn't want anyone to know. No, but I, were, I She told the story of um, beating cancer several times, and she was working on stuff while she was doing it. Huh. And I believe... She may have won her Oscar during one of those scenarios. And um, and then after that, I started, like, really looking into her and finding out that she is a survivor of sexual assault, which I am also. And, um, like, that's what I needed to hear. Yeah. I needed to hear that you can go to chemo today and deliver a performance of a lifetime tomorrow right. if you're that person that digs into the very depth of your soul and lets nothing get in front of you. Because right. I know I got that. Right. Yeah. So if I know that other people are doing that and they're still winning, I just need to hear that. Well, that's I don't need to hear how you landed with a silver spoon in your mouth. No interest whatsoever. In yeah. That story. No, that that's part of this is that I start. So in, in preparing for this, I kind of had the idea of it just based on always getting into conversations with people like at parties and, and going, finding out this usually crazy story that led to where they are. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. kind of like that. And and as I started listening to a bunch of different podcasts and interviews to prepare for it and like think, well, what what's mine going to be? Where does it place in, in the whole spectrum. spectrum of all of these things that are out there? I started to realize a lot of times you'll see and hear an interview or see an interview. And for me, at least, I'll walk away feeling like shit, like, Wow. Like I, there was one, uh, Alec Baldwin, who I think asks great questions and he's really funny and witty and everything. It's, it's like he asks a lot of the same questions I would ask. But then like he had Kevin Klein on and he's talking. He's like, so you went to Juilliard and then it was like a year later he won a Tony. And maybe that did happen. But the way it came out in the interview, I was like, fuck, what's wrong with me? He's just like, blessed. How did he I just do that? Blessed. And he just did that. Like, yeah. and, and, I, and I kind of want to hear... Um, I like to hear the parts of the story that 
are not the ones that yeah, are going to be. Where I was a co-star for a decade. Yeah, they're not the ones that's going to be on Entertainment Tonight. Like, I yeah. want the opposite of that. Yeah. I want I want to hear like, and I guess we could do it, you know, right now, which is just to hear the the. I mean, man, you just threw in sexually assaulted on top of it. Like, you you have really run the gamut. Of, I mean, it's three out of five women. It's, a, it's people are talking about it or they're not talking about it. Yeah. But it's happening to almost everybody. Yeah. And I just found out that for men, if you include the prison industrial complex, it's almost equal. So three out of five women and three out of five men are raped or molested sometime in their life. And the conversation is not where it should be. It needs to be, I mean, we need to be talking about this more than we're talking about Trump and, you know, in fairness, right? Like this is an epidemic in America. Can I ask, was it it, uh, a relative? Because I've heard that Uh, that's usually the... I mean, well, it's happened more than once. I'll put it that way. And uh, one was uh, a relative and one was in the military. Um. So, From a superior or, mm, or another? Yeah, a superior. Holy mm-hmm. crap. And and by the way, we, you know, can go into or not as much of any of the stuff that you want. Don't feel Listen, like you, I, I don't want cry, to like you to, you know. But I will never censor uh, the reality of things because somebody needs to hear it. So wherever you want to go is where we'll go. Yeah. Just deal with the fact that I'll talk while I'm crying if I need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really, I think, I think, I think. True education is the greatest thing we could do in this world. And so I will not ever uh, pad who I am for anyone. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like I've spent a good amount of energy and time padding who I am to, you know, as a as a people pleaser. I mean, yeah. I, feel, I feel like part of this is even just like me being able to go like, all right, I'm going to talk to who I want to talk to and I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about and and not censor it. Yeah. Uh, particularly in a public forum, I have like, a, I mean, I think it's part of my evolution as just a guy, uh, you know, as a human and also as an artist, which is how much of my own perspective am I willing to share in public? And a kind of a funny little story. Recently, I was with my brother and my sister, and and I was talking about this podcast, saying I really am excited about it. I want to do it, and and my brother was like, "Well, so what's what's the holdup?" And I was like, "Well, I just kind of scared, you know. It's like I I express myself, I do these things. It's like, you know, someone hears it, someone that knows me, people are listening, they're talking shit about me somewhere. Meanwhile, someone's talking shit about you everywhere." And he goes, "Yeah." He goes. You made out with a guy on TV for millions of people. <laughs> you know, he's like, "What are you? Are you serious? Are you worried?" I'm like, and, and I and my sister Which started. Show is that? I want to check it out. Scandal. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I was a gay male prostitute. Now, yes. now married. Oh yeah! Now you, I know who you were on Scandal. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Wow! What a great performance that Thank was. You what very a great storyline. Thank you. Congrats! Yeah, yeah, I'm thanks. glad you were brave enough to do that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, holy crap! Talk about being thrown yeah. in the in the frying yeah, pan. They made it was. You, look, you and them made you look so vulnerable throughout that entire performance. Thank like you. Like watching you um, really struggle with your needs within love and finance, and um, and the pain that you were putting on yourself to meet those needs. It was. An, it was. It was obvious in every moment of your performance. Oh wow! 
Yeah. I'll have you on this uh, show more often. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's so cool. That's so cool. What I love, what I really love about that is that you've been hanging out with me for a week and didn't know it. No, I did it. I was like, oh, Scandal, cool. I love that. I did camera on Scandal. I like that show. Oh, no, that's that's so cool to me. That's happened before where I've been in, you know, I was in a makeup trailer on this this movie, Wind River, like last year. And um, I was there for a while, but I was playing this kind of despicable character. It was like kind of rough around the edges and... Like a week into it, so the, um, the the head of the hair department was like, oh, so what do you do on Scandal? I was like, oh, do you watch it? She's like, yeah. I'm like, you watch it a lot? She's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, just think about it. So like five minutes later, she goes, oh. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of cool to me that you could, it's not like my appearance has changed. It has, though, because it, it, you look different in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get, vulnerability I mean, changes. Yeah, yeah. You know, it changes how you look. Yeah. You know, like you're you're so alpha in this part. In the one we're doing, Goliath. In the one we're yeah, doing, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's different in there. It's well, so that, different. Well, that's, so, wait, I, but we lost the trail before I got I got yeah, like dazed. I, I got audience... dazed by the compliment. Let's talk about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, where were we before that? Let's, let's screw. Uh, we were talking about uh, oh oh expressing yourself. So my brother said you've yes, done this. Yes, you made up with made out. Yeah, you've done this. And I and I said it's interesting to think of it that way. When I'm playing characters, I think as an actor, you can almost hide behind the fact that it's someone else's words and someone else's world and all of that. But which is why I you know. But if you're a writer, which I am, like a closet writer who needs to write, and I like I need to put it out there, and I haven't. And I'm kind of like I'd made one short film that was mediocre. And I it's like one of those things that frustrates me in my life that I'm like, I need to do it. That's why, you know, talking to Duplass the other day, I was like, he's just putting it out there. Yeah. And then it was cool to hear him say his brother, Jay, is more like me. Like he he can't. Perfection, which makes them so perfect. They're the It's a good couple, combo, but right? I need more of that energy to just throw it out there. So so anyway, the the. It's interesting that you can hide behind that, which is why I always say, to me, the ballsiest of everyone is stand-up comedians. I do that. There, you do that. It was definitely one of the breakthrough moments in who I am. I feel like I should at some you point. Need to do it because I'm. I would. I'm like. To me, that seems like like you're up there by yourself. Yeah. No one to blame. Yeah. You wrote the material. Yeah. No one to blame. No one to blame. Uh, you. You know. There's no other media with you, nope. so you to blame. There's no second take. There's no second take. It's live. I mean, it seems like fucking jumping without a safety net, yeah. uh, which seems like why it would be so addictive when you kill in a room yeah. and why it would probably be pretty painful when Have you, you do, You've done a lot of theater. I've done theater. You'll yeah. be fine because here's the thing. I've had jokes like fail and then like the look you give to the audience because Ends they did it. Yeah, because yeah, they, they like to like not like for girls. Like there's so much misogyny and like it's just like there's so much mis- there's so much like categorical ism right that like it's just bizarre and it, and i'm and i'm i i do well in the world because i can see it all yeah and i can figure out how to break, break I, the I would that's what i would think would be i would be able to navigate because i can pick up on people's yeah you know either digging me or not digging me and then i would make fun of myself to make yeah. to get them and back. that's the part that's but to do that and to also have the set that you i mean in a way this speech that I've been working on is probably the closest thing to that. And that's why that's scaring the shit out of me too, because it's like my own story yeah. and I'm going to have to go give it to but all of these strangers, but it's like, it's hopefully funny. It's hopefully moving. It's hopefully motivational, inspirational, but 
you, you know, you're going to go out there and you're going to be in front of, like the woman who's been mentoring me said, so, I saw her do it and she's been doing it for 10 years. She's yeah. really successful with it. And I was like, you were awesome. Like you had them in the palm of your hand. She goes, this is a great crowd. She goes, I've done it for like, you know, business businesses where they're from like another culture, like they might be Far East. And she's like, they don't have the same cultural references. Yeah. So the, the jokes that right, I have right. don't it's, land. Sure. She's like, it is painful. Yeah. Because you're just like, you kind of got to move on. You should really do it before you start doing uh, the motivational oh. speaking. So you know how to work the audience again, right? Like yeah, get yeah. that whistle wet, yeah. right? I mean, I do, I do like, I had to do this play. One of the first things I did after college, I moved home and I, I was living with my mom. I was working the summer right after college for a mason. I was like uh, laying patios for the summer and I got this, uh, it was a musical at the Wilton Play Shop in Wilton, Connecticut. It was the mystery of Edwin Drood. And I went in there like, um, I grew up like I played a little piano, a little guitar, I could sing a little bit, but I'm, you know, generally a hack as a musician, but I can kind of carry a tune. And I was like, I'm gonna go out for a play. You know, like I'd done one play in college, I said I was gonna be an actor. And um, and I, I looked in the paper and they said, like, you know, you come in and prepare 16 bars of music to be accompanied. And I'm like, 16 bars of music. I called them. I'm like, can I just do, like, uh, Billy Joel? <laughs> They're like, sure, whatever. So I literally went in. And it was like something out of a – it was like something out of a movie, the way they auditioned. Because it's never happened to me since. We're in this – this you know, community theater, they had the guy on the piano accompanying and everybody who was auditioning, you know, from like 22 year olds down to like probably 13 year olds were in the audience of this place. And then they'd be like, so-and-so get up and you get up and give them your music and everybody else would be watching your audition as you would do uh -huh. the song. And I was like, yeah. fuck. So the first person gets up, Amazing voice. Second part, like four people got up. They were all like, you know, like real musical theater people. And yeah, I'm yeah. like, shit, what am I thinking? I'm in Chuck Taylor's jeans and a t-shirt. And I got a Billy Joel song. And I have a Billy Joel song. I don't have. So I get up, they call my name and they're like, where's your sheet music? I'm like, uh, I'm going to sing this acapella. <laughs> and, I started, and I started snapping my fingers and going, whoa, the longest for the wow, longest Wow, you did it like barbershop style. I did it like I was the four people. I mean, wow. like, uh, but uh, I did it and I ended up getting cast as the chairman oh, who cool. was the guy who kind of, it's a play within a play. Uh -huh. And he's the guy who introduces the play and then he speaks to the, I had like a British accent. And he speak when the crowd's coming in yeah, every yeah. night, he speaks to the crowd and I got to riff and just improv with them. Yeah. And I do like that crowd interaction. Yeah. And yet I'm scared shitless of it. But I, do love, but I do kind of, of love it. Of course, that's what makes it like a drug. Yeah. It's like battling yeah. the, the fear and the like joy. I mean, it's 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 euphoric and it's fearful all at the same moment. Right. And, 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 it's like uh, riding a wave. Huh? It's like yeah, riding it's a riding wave. a wave. And that's what makes it. I mean, if it were just all good, I don't know if we'd love it all that much. Yeah, true, right? true. But so I think so that's we... a great, just to like put a period at the end of that sentence, I think that's a great... Uh, highlight for your 10,000 no's, right? Because like anybody else would have said like, I don't have 18 bars and they would have given themselves huh. a no and that scenario would have never happened. And you were like, F it. Not only am I not going to have 18 bars, but I'm also not going to have sheet music. Right. And you still got cast. So right. like stop saying no to yourself. Right. Like everybody got, I, stop saying no to yourself. Yeah. No, I, I think that is what happened. And I think I got cast in that role in particular because of a certain fearlessness of 
me saying fuck it. Yeah. And you need that guy who who is the the first person that people are meeting when they come into the theater every night is this uh-huh. guy. He's uh-huh. got to be kind of like fuck it. I'm going to talk to all of you and I'm going to try to make you laugh and, and we're going to yeah. you know within the context of the play and yeah. the whole evening that's going to follow. But so it is interesting about like. Um, yeah, I mean, you have those moments through your career and through your life where yeah. I spend a lot of time in my head, like analyzing the shit out of things, overanalyzing the shit out of things. Yeah. And yet I also find myself when I'm in my best, when I'm my best self is when is usually when I say fuck it to the voices and I go on my gut and I just leap. Yep. Pretty yep. much. Pretty much, if I really track all of my kind of big, you know, in quote, successes or leaps or whatever, they have probably mostly been when I've said, fuck it. And I did something that was like, I'm not going to overthink this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to barge through the door, you know. Um, But it's it's hard for me. Uh, A lot of times, I just, I I think a lot and, and I... That can be good. It can be an asset. It can be a liability. Sometimes it's too. It's like I'm locked. Yeah. In analysis paralysis, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, again, I stole. I'm gonna, people are going to be like, "Fuck, he what? talks a lot." <laughs> why, why? <laughs> you're like ten thousand no's and the narcissist. <laughs> Jk, you're amazing. You're great. Well, thank you. Let's go into your, into your um, kind of how. I guess this is what I'll ask. So, so the other thing you told me the other day was. You were in the Air Force uh-huh. and you said you went into the Air Force having no idea what it would be. You said you were not politically astute, which I am still not politically astute at all. But you were you kind of became so after that experience. But you basically uh-huh. said in a nutshell that it was kind of pretty shitty growing up. So you just wanted a way out. I wanted a way out and I was dyslexic. I failed almost every year of my life. Um, in school? In school, yeah. C's and D's, many F's. Because you're so intelligent and articulate, it's kind of it's crazy hard to, to believe, think that. It's right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't memorize anything. I mean, it's really hard for me to memorize my lines still. But I think that actually contributes to being a good actor because by the time I can memorize it, it's so ingrained in me and I've looked at every possible point of view of it. So everything that hurts you could be your help. Yeah. You know, it's like... It's like trusting that your tool, as fucked up as it seems, is doing its job. You just haven't figured it out yet. Right. You know, but anyways, um, no, I failed every year. I got paddled every Friday in third grade for not knowing my multiplication tables. Literally got paddled? Literally got paddled. It was no, it was public school. Got Um, paddled? Yep, it was not outlawed until fourth grade. So I gotta tell you, fourth grade was the greatest year of my life. Wait, you got paddled, like hit in the ass with a paddle. By a public school teacher. Yes. That is a true. Like hard. Yes. Like hard. What year is this? Uh I was nine. Nine plus seventy-eight. What is that? Eighty-seven? What? Yeah. Ohio is like, it's almost like you're going to, it's a a very red state. So it's almost like you're going to Christian school, but publicly, right? Did did a couple of kids get paddled? Yeah, there was a whole line of kids waiting every Friday. Friday was the day you got paddled. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. And I was never, I was never diagnosed ADD. 
Um, but I'm sure I had it because I couldn't keep a thought in my mind for any second, right? So uh, if I wasn't getting paddled for my mom, and, and it would add up. So you'd see your name all week long Holy. with the amount you were going to have to deal with on Friday, right? And I always had the most. Um, well, there was one kid that sometimes had more than me. But, uh, and uh, I would, you know, I would space out, you know, and I was fully in survivor mode. I was hungry a lot of the time. Um and I would just space out and I was really defensive because I was being abused at home. And, you know, Phys- she, physically, physically abused, physically, mentally, you know, most ways that you can imagine. How um, old were you? How much older are your parents than you? 18, were they, exactly. So they were 18 when they had Yeah, you. they were 18 when they had me and they went through horrific, horrific things. You know, if we had done this interview six years ago, I would be. Um, I would be talking mad shit about them gloriously enjoying it. But I realize now, especially with the conversation of privilege, like that's a thing we are like socially understanding for the first time really over the last few years. And realizing that I have a great privilege of um, of being able to see a full story. You know, I have a great privilege of being able to heal. I have a great privilege of being able to learn something from everything I go through. My parents were not capable of doing that. They were injured and they shut down. They were injured again and they shut down. They were injured again and they shut down. And agoraphobia turned into bipolar disorder and bipolar disorder turned into other things, you know, to the point where, you know, my mom's recovering. My mom is actually doing well for the first time in her life now. But my father, you know, he's dying of osteoporosis from drug use and can't leave his house and can't deal, you know, like... How old is he now? Uh, what's 18 like plus 39? 58 57? or 57? Yeah. He's already shrunk three inches. He's got osteoporosis worse than almost humanly possible. Wow. Um, and they're in Ohio? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I bought, I booked a commercial one year and bought him a house so he couldn't, you know, terrorize my Christian grandmother with drug use anymore. Holy um shit. So he just lives in this house and can't function and uh, doesn't know how to have really a conversation with somebody without going into panic mode. Like as I, I, I have everything, you know what I mean? Like a small version of everything. I don't have a mansion, but like I have everything I ever set out to have. If they could have done that, they would have, who wouldn't make their dreams come true if they couldn't, you know? And like, and so like, while, and I, and I just need to say this before I say anything else about my childhood is that they just didn't know any. They, and this could be looked at as a, what is it called? Uh, uh, when you help people make bad choices, enabling. Yeah. This could be looking at as enabling or, or empathy, but I don't know. Again, like I think there's a lot of things we think we can pull apart and we can't. Um, but they literally didn't have the tools to deal with. Um, a child who has no. Needs. I mean, I mean, look, I've got two kids, and I had them. You know, we had my son when I was thirty-five, my daughter yeah. when I was thirty-eight. I can't even imagine. So my wife's parents uh, were were twenty when they had her older sister. So that's pretty young back yeah. then. But um, you know, they talk about it. My father-in-law is like, "Yeah, I was an idiot. I didn't know what I was doing." Like, and I look at. An 18-year-old now, let alone eight, an 18-year-old who, you know, what was their background and beaten, what was their— Beaten worse right, than me. And, right. So yeah. so you look at where they were coming from and what they had or didn't have, yeah. and then they're 18. And you 18 don't have the internet to figure— Like, I read every right. self-help book in the world, 
getting to this point. Yeah. That was not a thing in the 80s. They yeah. didn't, they, I couldn't watch TED Talks. You know right, what I mean? Right, they couldn't right. watch TED Talks. And like I could watch eight hours of TED Talk while my daughter was asleep and wake up a different person. Right. That wasn't a How thing. How old is your daughter? My daughter's 15, 15. and a half. She's in That's Greece right, right now. We talked about her and you guys like negotiating through, you know, like her being. Everything in life is a negotiation. Yeah. So she has to negotiate, negotiate or she loses. Yeah. It's and, my way or you negotiate me out of my way. Yeah. It's it's so, um, what's so cool in hearing you talk about your parents and your background is your relationship to it is, um, it seems like so, look, I'm sure you're fucked up in your own ways, I'm sure. Absolutely. But, but your relationship to your past and the pain you've had is so at least from my perspective, so healthy. Like yeah. you're you're not denying it and acting like everything was fine. You're nope. you know you're pissed about it. I went through it. I spent a lot of yeah. Years, you decades must have. Crying. You could tell because you, you went. Know? You're you're pissed about it. You're upset, but you're you're kind of also accepting. Like even to hear you say that about your parents, it's like, you know. And that's what I always say. I'm like, you know, you have one individual. They're going to be fucked up. Right. Just they're just going to be complex. Yeah. You put five individuals under one roof. It's going to be really complex. There's the relationships, sure. the dynamics, all that stuff. Then you add into it poverty. Then you add into it 18 years old as parents, all this stuff. It's like it's going to be a lot of messy, intricate stuff that you're yeah. dealing with. And so yeah. I always say when when, you know, people are like, you know, my my dad did this to me. My mom did this to me. It's like. Yes, and you don't have to take that anymore. If that's how you feel, you can come above it. You can whatever. Yeah, yeah. the future. Doesn't However, have to be the you can't blame your life on them because they're they're kind of doing the best that they could do with yeah. what they had at the yeah. time. Now, sometimes that falls way short, and so you're you're pissed. But I, I feel like it's healthier the way you are. Yeah, and I, I I can only imagine how much work it was to get there, but it doesn't. Like it's not going to help your life to just always be like, yeah, they suck. They suck. It's like you, you, you sound can, like you're but trying every to understand time you do that. You're keeping yourself right where you are. That's what I'm right? saying. Like both my parents are agoraphobic and we are social beings. So to not be able to get the reward of doing well socially, it's the greatest reward on the planet, right? It's the greatest reward to meet somebody that- So they literally that, don't leave the uh, house. How does you, that work? They, they leave the house for things they have to. My mom's more functional now. Um, she's actually kind of going through a breakthrough right now. Um, but my dad, for, you know, 20 years, lived in my grandparents' basement because he just couldn't, just wow. couldn't, you know? And he developed a, a, a alcohol problem. My grandfather owned a liquor store. He saved all the money that he had when he was in the Navy, and he bought, like, a little mom-and-pop candy store. They called it a candy store because they were both Christians. Um, <laughs> we're going to call this but, candy. But, but this, Jack Daniels But back candy. then they did call it—I mean, there were candies there, and they did—you know, they did a, a lot of great things for the neighborhood. My grandfather, like, gave poor people food on credit that never paid them back. And when he died, the whole neighborhood—he thought no one loved him, and the whole neighborhood came out to his funeral huh. and said things like— I wouldn't have my daughter if he didn't loan me diapers. Like, Wow, that's awesome. You know, like I was more afraid to tell your grandfather that I was pregnant at 15 than my own father, right? Wow. So like, it's like if people only told people how much value they have before they died, it might actually change people's value of themselves, which it's not anyone else's responsibility or value, but it helps. 
It helps. I'm told, like, now that I have figured it all out, I'm told that I'm amazing at least twice a week. That's awesome. Wow. But I don't need it now. You know what I mean? I needed it when I was nine, you know? And and mostly I was told that I was a troublemaker who would never make it in life because the teachers didn't realize what the hell I was dealing with. And, like, where does that divide end? When do you stop assuming that a kid is just an asshole? A kid is never a fucking asshole. A kid is going through too much to give you what you need. There's a quote about that, like if you're if you're I forget what it is, I'll I'll screw it up, but it's something about teachers and coaches saying like, you know, if if you can't coach the kid, it's basically it's the coach's fault. It's not the kid. It's like you have that's your job is to that find is a way job. to make them to help them learn whatever that may be. And it's interesting. I've got a, a really uh, good buddy who's a great actor and um he kinda had a thing where when he was younger, um, you know, people uh, like teacher same thing in school yeah. like school at the time wasn't his thing and he's such a smart dude it's like you can't even imagine yeah no you can't like i can't even imagine that you first, weren't doing well my first in meeting with and, an agent i met at acme so i was already an adult i had already stumbled my way into a show that toured the world i don't even know if i really know what acme is acme it's a it's a it's it's an agency or a management company. I can't remember. I, mean, I, I don't feel like I've heard of it, like Acme Talent, but think, I don't. Yeah, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about them after this meeting. But I got a meeting. I'm pretty sure it was an agent. And he looked at me, didn't give me any sides to read. And I still had ghetto stank on me for sure, you know. Um, and uh, he looked at me and he said, you know, this is interesting. And I went, okay. And he goes, you're not at all pretty enough to ever play a lead. And in no way are you interesting enough to ever play a sidekick. So there's not really much I could do for you. (laughs) And then he said, it's almost like if people know that you've been abused, it's like a green light to abuse you, which is an interesting thing about society that I don't quite understand, but it happens a lot. Um, And then he said, but you know that already, don't you? And I was so broken at that time Oh my god! that I looked him right in the eyes. I couldn't break eye contact with him because he was so much more alpha than me, you know. And I said, yeah. And he said, all right, then I, I, you could find the door yourself, right? And I said, yeah. And I walked out with tears. Do you remember rolling. his name? I don't. I did for co- a little we bit. We could Google him and go... No, there's so many people that act me. Yeah, I mean, but, I could but, probably search an old email, but I don't even want to remember people that I hate because that's I don't want to spend my day. Yeah, no, but I mean that sounds like a particular asshole. And yeah, yet, somebody's and gonna yet, put comments in and go, I know who wait, this guy is. No, but, it it, and yet that story, while heartbreaking, is also I remember the first person I went to. So I didn't know anybody who was an actor except there was one guy, Pat Collins. He did a youth group in my town, and um. And great guy. I'm still friends with him and his wife. And, you know, like he's he was such a a mentor to me. And he was the only guy I knew. And he set me up to go meet with his like commercial agent, I think it was. Oh, maybe it was actually like a print agent. It wasn't. Could I just I really need to finish that story really quickly. But I um, I like tears wept down my eyes the entire uh, elevator ride down into my car. And I cried all the way home. And I kid you not when I tell you, I cried for probably 20 days straight when I was not in public. Um, To be told that I had no value when I was already so afraid that I had no value because of where I came from. 
you know, and I was like thinking about welfare, single mom, like just all the reasons why I have no value just kept, it was like watching a montage, you know, failure, all the D's, all the F's, all the paddles. And it just went on for 21 days. And on the 21th day after, and I think this is important to tell people because it can feel like you're going to die when you get depressed. You know, it can feel like you're never going to find the top of the well again, you know. And after 21 days, I remember being like under the covers and I had just finally cried enough to hit that moment of catharticism and started to feel this wave of depression come back over me and literally like kicked my fucking blankets off, got out of bed, put on my clothes, grabbed my keys, got in my car and just drove because I needed to be out of the house during that window of clarity. I drove around, didn't know where to go, went to the theater company I was involved in and just sat there and watched people do stuff until I figured out what to do next. Wow. Yeah. Where was this? LA? Yeah. Yeah. It was in... um, well, I was living in Norwalk, but the theater company was um, in Hollywoodish on Santa Monica and Vine. So I just drove around all day until I ended up there, which is quite a drive. Oh, oh man. I 26 mean, miles. I mean, that guy, you know, you think about that guy, because the story I was going to tell is. I'm sorry. Is, I no, no, no. It like, doesn't. No, I'm not even going it, it, to. It's it's. Interesting because it's a similar story, yeah. But the repercussions were not as much, and that's where I go. Like hats off to you because of the the, the repercussions were not as much to me with what this woman said to me. Because again, you talk about privilege. I was privileged enough my whole life to have people say, you know, you could do whatever you want to do. You can do, you know, yeah. if you think it, you dream it. You could do it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and and. Trust me, it, my confidence is shaken a lot, and it's been sure. shaken by this business over and over again. But when I had a similar situation, maybe not quite as acute yeah. as that, but just where this woman goes, like it was, it, it was through a friend. What did she but, say? Was, she just goes like this. She, I had a headshot that I had gotten taken in in Boston when I was in college, because I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I got to get a headshot. So I had a headshot, and I brought it in, and Pat set me up with her. I think it was for print work for some reason, you know? And yeah. uh, so it wasn't even like based on talent. It was based on a look. And she goes, huh. And she looks at <laughs> she goes, she goes, yeah. She goes, it's just not that interesting. She goes, here, let me show you this. And she pulls another headshot or something out of her thing. And it was this other dude, like model dude, with like, you know, great shot. And she's like, you see, I mean, this is just so much more interesting than this i just i don't know what i could do with you and i was like i was like okay cool but my immediate you know i was i think hurt obviously that hurt you but i think my immediate thing probably like the the second maybe the second i walked out the door or maybe the second she said it was like fuck you i can't (laughs) wait to show you how wrong you know and i think there's like a certain Sometimes I don't think it's necessarily a great thing, but it's served me in times is this kind of a little bit of a chip on my shoulder of when people overlook me. And I think most yeah. actors I know have yeah. it because we are, we all 
want to be heard and want to be used yeah. and want to be yeah. want to serve. We wouldn't and, be talking and we into spend, a microphone. If yeah, really seriously. I mean, we, we, you know, we spend yeah. so much time going like, hey, let me help your project. And people are like, no, I got a hundred, I got a thousand, I got 10,000 people ahead of you. You know, so you're like constantly. Yeah. So it develops. I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. Do we go there because we had it? Or does it come when people look past you, look past you, look past you? But I kind of get into that mode of like, fuck you, I'll show, I'll show you. And, and, you know, whether that's mature or not, I don't know. But if I can use it's it sure as enough fuel. enough that you're living your dream. Well, look, if I can use it as fuel and, and it serves me, it's good. I think when it gets too negative, which I've gotten in certain, you know, I'll kind of go through different cycles of, sure. of a career. And there are times when I've been too pissed off and too much like, oh, fuck them, blah, 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 you know, and, uh, oh, sorry about that. And um, I think I can turn this down. And and I, I think I've, I've that negativity is not good, but there there can be something good that comes from a certain amount of just like fight. I you know, agree. I mean, and I don't think those days when you are more negative than others don't have value. I think you're learning something. I yeah. think you're processing holding in too much of something. I think you're processing letting someone walk on you in a way that you wouldn't if you were able to be be or feel equal to them. I think sometimes you hit your maximum edge and your body's got to get it out. So you walk around the house and monologue about how blah, 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 blah. But right. I think it's important. I think it's all valuable. If you're doing it in a healthy way that you're not hurting anyone else and you're not hurting yourself... I think it's incredibly valuable to your mental health yeah. to not judge it. Well, here, here's another thing. I'm just that I think you're right, and I think I I have not. There are times when I'm like, no, 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 it's good, everything's good, and I kind of like try to fight through it and just go like, I'm fine, I'm good. Yeah, and, but you're and not. It's like, Why lie? No one's around. Yeah, no, no, no. I've <laughs> learned. I've learned to to, to lean into yeah. the anger, the disappointment more. And I'm as saying I've this more older. for audience who might yeah. need to hear it than to like yeah. your therapist. No, 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 no. I trust me, I could use it but the but the um oh, i just had a th oh here's here's something i'm just thinking as you're talking the power that we give people think about this at the time you went to this guy you were like oh he's a big agent right yeah yeah and he did that this thing he told, I went up. he told you you were nothing and it killed you for 20 days and then finally well, he luckily, made me agree with him he made you that agree with him part. right okay either way let's look at it now as we pull the lens back yeah and look at that little fucking peon agent who's working at fucking what's acme talent he's he was probably a shit agent on the bottom of the barrel felt like shit about himself mm -hmm. so here you come in and he's like i'm gonna take out my frustration on her mm -hmm. you walk out he doesn't think about you anymore he goes home that day he's like yeah i told this blah, 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 or whatever he, he probably thinks he's didn't a, think about me five he probably didn't later. think about you but he's he's got a bunch of people coming in to him, a bunch yeah. of desperate people coming in. And he yeah. figures like, I don't have time for this. So he, or maybe he even thought, like, maybe he even thought I'm doing her a favor. Yeah. She should go back to mating. Which, which is whatever. But, but I mean, I'll tell you this. I now, I've changed my message when people come to me that are young actors or they're like, I, you know, my dad's like, I have a friend who's got, you know, a, a daughter or a son who wants to act. And like, I used to be like, email with them. I'm so encouraging, follow your dream and all this. And I, I don't anymore. I go like, hey, here's the deal. It's really hard. It's, it's really, you got to give up a lot of sacrifices. You're, 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 uh, you're, 
schedule is all over the place. You're you're at the you know the the whim of of productions, all this mm -hmm. stuff. It's a lot. There's a ton of competition, all this stuff. And I go, income. I go. You know what? If you could do something else, go do it. And like, I'm not so touchy feely, like rah rah with them yeah. because I feel like if I can scare them off with a little speech like that, yeah, I just did them a huge favor. Yeah, as opposed to. If I say that, if someone really wants to do it, I don't care if they came to me. They're going to be like, fuck off, dude. I'm doing this. Maybe, though. But I also, if I can challenge that. No. Yes. Totally challenge if it. If I can challenge that. Um, first of all, I don't think what you're saying is so harsh. No, it's um, not. It's not. I'm not harsh. I'm not like you're nothing. I'm yeah. not saying that. But I'm saying like. But you never know who you're talking to. It's like if you're talking to someone who got to go to college, that might not be enough. But if you're talking to someone like me, maybe maybe it is enough. Maybe they don't know how to do all that stuff yet. Um, and it'd be it'd be unfortunate. You don't have to be a cheerleader, but it'd be unfortunate to just cut them at the knees. Just be one yeah. more person who only says something negative. To yeah, somebody. yeah, that's true. Um, I this guy Ford that was in the Actors Gang years ago that I don't even keep in touch with. He gave me the best advice I feel like I ever got, and I don't even remember how to like articulate it the way he did it. But he basically said like. You know, I, I asked to take him to lunch because he seemed like he was doing well. Um, people seemed to, like, look up to him. I still, to this day, don't know what he actually did because I didn't even know how to look up IMDb at that point. Um, and I took him to lunch, and he showed me his headshots, and I showed him mine, and he gave me some advice. And he said, listen, I've seen you on stage. You have talent. Um, and that puts you ahead of a lot of people who are here. He was like, but the bottom line is it takes the average person with talent, 10 years to have a career. So more than figuring out, as much as you need to figure out your talent, you need to figure out how to make it through the next 10 years. Don't spend any money that you don't have to spend. Invest every cent you could possibly invest. And always be figuring out how to make a dollar out of 15 cents. And if you can do that for the next 10 years, you'll end up at the front of the line. You just will. That's Because everybody else is going to go home. That's literally... In the speech I'm talking about. Really? <laughs> Literally. I talk about my whole thing in New York of like, I lived in a fifth floor walk-up for seven years and I built a wall and I built a loft and I had a metal file cabinet from my dad's office that I used as a makeshift closet. And I paid 500 bucks a month to live in Manhattan and it was rent stabilized. So by the end of the seventh year, I paid 632 bucks a month to live in Manhattan. Wow. And I bartended when I would... I made decent money bartending, but I would go do a play. First of all, most of the plays I did, I wasn't paid for. Yeah. And then if I would go or do off-Broadway, which was legitimate. There was Broadway and there was off-Broadway. I could do off-Broadway, equity show, and it was like, I think it was like $236 a week or something like that. Wow. So I would make like 400 bucks a night bartending. And I would work a couple of, like I actually made, Sick. I stowed away some money when I was bartending. And I, and I was in acting class. I, it was like... It, th my point is, I totally agree with him. The difference or, or the the distinguishing factor between a young, if there are young actors or actresses listening to this, talent is like one little sliver of the pie. It's, it's how do you logistically, either you got a trust fund, sweet for you. Good for you, yeah. Or if you don't, like most people don't, then you have to figure out a way. How to build a trust fund. You, well, you have to figure out a way to spend less money mm -hmm. and and somehow make ends meet while living. I mean, it's, it's crazy. 
It's like I felt like I was living like four lives in one. I was, mm-hmm. I waited tables. I, I would sometimes go from one place and walk over at the end of my shift to the other place to bartend. I was in class, I think it was two days a week. You would meet with your scene partner somewhere in one of the five boroughs to work on your scene for class. Mm-hmm. Then I would get backstage mm-hmm. and and they, it was a paper back then. You were probably younger than me. You are younger than me. So, uh, it, but it was a, the paper and you would, literally go through and circle what you were right for. I'd type up a little cover letter, put my headshot and resume in it, and I'd send out like 12 of them per week. So I was like also my own agent because uh-huh. I didn't have an agent. Uh-huh. And then I would go do like a shitty student film. Some Once in a while you get lucky and you get something through backstage that turned out to be good. And I got lucky. I had one of the ones like relatively early on that turned into, it was a non-union film and it turned union and we shot it in Boston and it went to film festivals. Yeah. And, and it was like, it, it wasn't, I mean, I think I thought it was a huge thing at the time. It wasn't as huge, but it, but it was very good for confidence and all that. But, but it was like crazy. Yeah. You think about how many lives. But that's it live. though, right? Like that's what, that's what Ford was saying. Like, hold on until the magic happens. It, there is a, ma- like, there is a magic too. I have friends who are equally as talented as me, if not more. And when I say talent, I'm including the work of craft in that just to preference, preface, um, or post f- FS. Um, uh, and, and they're not working, right? So they're, no matter how much you want your ego to tell you you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, there is a margin of luck um, totally. and magic um, and favor that is uh, happening for every move that you get, you know? Totally. Um, and, uh, and he was just saying, like, save your money until magic puts you at the right place at the right time, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I try to remember that every time, you know, like I, I'd love, I I think that I work pretty hard. I think I really care. Mm-hmm. But when I get jobs, I'm also like, yeah, you work hard, you care, you yeah. got a bit of talent, but you got fucking lucky too. It's like true. for I mean, whatever reason, you took- were the guy for that job. And and when I don't get the jobs, yeah. sorry, you, you go, what no. Please. Um, no, I was just going to say, look how long it took Viola Davis's career to take off. Yeah. Like, that's not magical. Clearly, she was capable a long time before yeah. her career took off, right? So, like, it's not just about how talented you are. Yeah. And, and you look across it. I mean, you can see, like, some of the books. Yeah. Uh, I have, like, books. The Artist Way things. is my well, favorite. The Artist Way. But even, like, where's the book? I don't know where it is, but the... It's a uh, John Wooden, the coach of UCLA basketball. And, like, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter what field you're in. It's, yeah. it's also... Part of the reason of this whole thing is that I want people from different walks of life because my theory, based on my own experiences and people that will uh, sometimes you're, you know, for the most part, no one around here really gives a shit. But like if I'm in certain places, other places, they're like, oh, there's an actor here. That's let's go talk to. And you're like, they have an image of what they think that maybe a life of an actor might be. And I think there's a huge schism between maybe what other people think and what really is. And my theory is that for everybody in any field, whether it's a CEO of a company mm-hmm. or, you know, that dude that's riding on a jet plane, you know, is like private jet, like he's got something mm-hmm. <laughs> that is deficient in his life or he's got something that he, he, he you know, struggles with or it's with his kids or with his parents or with it, whatever. Everybody's got something. My mom used to say that, like, Everyone's got their cross to bear, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the whole point of this is like what, you know, Viola Davis, 
incredibly talented. Yeah. What was, what was she before? What was it like before that? Yeah. Now, yeah, she's got a TV show. She's winning Oscars. She's yeah. winning Emmys or whatever. But yeah. like, that's it. That she didn't just wake up and do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not and how it works. That. They like to make you think that everyone was discovered on a stoop in New York drinking a beer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or and having a temper tantrum and, in a bank. And then the other thing. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the other thing is, though, even sometimes you find that when people get that, the pinnacle of our career or any career, there's a certain emptiness because they were always gunning for it, gunning for it, gunning for it. Now they have it. And yeah. they're like, oh, all of my problems, problems aren't answered right now. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, well, what do I do? Like, I've got this Oscar in my hand, but yeah. like, I still have the yeah. same shit that's, you know, followed me around my whole life anyway. So yeah. you, you, as I think it's life- about figuring out the amount of chemicals you can handle in your brain and then figuring out how to make those distribute the way you need them to through thought. That's what I think it comes down to. Figuring out the amount of chemicals you have in your brain. You need in your brain. You need in your brain. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I totally get that. Get your analogy. <laughs> uh, it's not actually an analogy. I think that given whatever circumstance you were raised in. So like, uh, for instance, I just recently had a surgery to have my stellate ganglion flushed. It's a experimental surgery to reset, fight, flight, or uh, freeze. Um, it's a PTSD thing. Oh, because of Air Force, uh, or, or just because of upbringing? Like, like I'll leave that alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. But the Air Force was a part of it. Okay. Um, and, uh, a big part of it. Anyways, um, and so, and, and what that did was it decreased the amount of chemicals that I have in my brain because I was constantly from whatever age on in fight, right? Cause that when depending on the amount of trauma you have. And like even people in perfect families, it could be through football practice. Right. It could be through a car accident. It could be through a very scary event that you weren't ready for because you had this perfect family at home, right? So if you get like, like I've been robbed at gunpoint. Like I walked away from that like nothing. How I went to Denny's you? after. Um, at gunpoint, I was, it was only like four years ago. So 35 in Florida. Out, out here? In Florida. In Florida. Orlando. Um, but for me, at 35, that happening, my fight, flight, or freeze was already turned on. Like, we went to Denny's after. It was, like, not a big deal, right? Um, but say you come from a perfect family and you're held up at gunpoint, like, it can change the entire chemistry of your brain. First of all, perfect family. Right, but you know but what I, I mean? Like, yeah, from, the, yeah, from yeah. the idea of somebody who comes from welfare, right? Yes, like, supportive. Yes, yes. Exactly. You know, you, you're not you get with, to go to college. Yeah, you yeah. have your own space. You have a nutritious meal. Right, right. Every day. Um, but so all these things, they change the chemical of your brain. And so does... Um, so does your inner monologue, right? Like, so some people, when they're mad, they have this inner monologue that's like, fuck that person, that person's fat, that person's ugly, that person's this, that person's that. And all of that is releasing chemicals into your body that now you have to deal with. You think you're hurting this other person by calling them fat or ugly or stupid or whatever, right. but you're just releasing these angry chemicals in your own body. And now you have to deal with this saturation of chemicals. And some people will do this for hours after 
you know, an, an, an inciting incident, right? Right. Um, and, and just c- continuing to create these horrible chemicals in their body and then wondering why they have issues, mm. right? And so, like, by reading books that help you change the, the dialogue in your mind yeah. and learning to forgive yourself and love yourself, and it's, you know, very clear in psychology that the way you treat yourself is the way you treat others. Yeah. So once you start forgiving yourself, you forgive others. If you forgive others, you forgive yourself. So as you start to like change these conversations in your mind, then the chemicals right. decrease. And all of a sudden life gets a lot easier and you don't have a thousand cars on the freeway constantly. Yeah. And that's for me, at least what it comes down to. I was raised in a scenario where it was the best way I can describe it in this analogy I just created is like, a parking lot of people pulling in and out and getting nowhere, but just like saturated lights on horns yeah. going and like no one knows how to like get uh, out, right? And just like, rah, 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 uh, right? Yeah. And yeah. like every, every sort of like book I read or success I got or supportive friend I was able to get, because those things, they seem like, they seem like entitlements in life, but if you don't know how to have the kind of language, if you weren't properly domesticated, it's a word I like to use. Yeah. If you weren't learned, if you weren't modeled by your parents to use constructive, successful language, it's very hard to get a good friend. Because good friends who were raised by people who learn this are looking for people who use their same language. So yeah. it's even hard to just be loved and love someone. Right. And it's like you're saying fucking, 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 fucking. Why doesn't anybody who says love like me? Right. And you just don't know how. Right. Yeah. It's just like banging your head against the wall. Um, and so like every good friend I got, every book I read, every amount of success I got, it was like one car removed until now. Like I'm kind of like on a three lane, high, three lane highway by myself listening to the Rolling Stones. Right. You know, just sort of right. like chilling with the with the top down, you know? And when right. something bad comes my way, I'm like, well, I got two other lanes. Something else would come up. It's all good. You didn't book me? All right. That's a fucking privilege to have that much space in your it's brain. So, it's so amazing to talk to you. Like, you're, you're making me feel um, actually like, uh, like, you know, an asshole for way before in the, in the beginning part of the conversation when I was like, uh, I think comparing... Which was it was maybe when you said about the Acme agent saying that to you. And then I like riffed off into my own little story. And you're like, no, 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 hold on. I got to go back. I got to tell you this, like ruined me for 20 days. Yeah. And it's just like eye opening to me to to hear this because you you are you're talking about like basic necessities that you were deprived of for your childhood yeah well they took it but they also took my ability to know how to get it yeah because they didn't have it so i don't want to use the word took but but, well well, they didn't download me with it i guess what i'm saying which is like a a tribute to you is like i i i hope i wasn't offensive i'm just thinking back now on it hope i wasn't offensive and but it's like you're so you're so like uh i'm just thinking like well yeah yeah we had a similar experience we both went in with our thing but like Not realizing, I mean, it's a it's a drastically different experience yes. because, like, if we were playing those characters, if someone was playing you or if someone was playing me, the the backstory is a lot of what's important in that scene when they get to the agent and the agent says, 
This isn't enough. Right. The backstory is kind of everything. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think when I was saying that to you before, I'm like, oh yeah, we had the same thing. I think I was trying to make the point of like, yeah, they all suck. They're all going to tell, like they're all telling us to F off and there's a thousand people waiting and all that. But what you're saying is, yeah, but for me, it was like, these are things I really was grappling with because I never had anybody really supporting me enough. Yeah. I mean- I'm sure. Well, let me ask you this. Um, and we, what, what do we have here? We're <laughs> Are we out of time yet? <laughs> not at all. I mean, we could go, okay. we can, you know, we started at like, yeah, no, we're good. I just want to make sure we're not, you know, we could probably talk for days. Um, and, uh, but, but what was I just going to say? Oh, that's what I was going to say. So, so we've kind of talked about that you didn't have the people to model. But what I wonder is like your grandparents, your grandfather who had the, quote, candy store, yeah. and, and your grandmother, um, were they good models or was there someone in like a teacher or a mentor or someone who kind of like tapped you when you were young? Because I always feel like there, there's usually- There's always, there's millions somebody of them. Like, yeah. And I think this goes back to one of the things, like I have to find what my privileges are. I can't believe that other people have privileges and I don't, right? And this is, goes back to one of the things that I think is one of my great privileges is that I I was able to see one facet in a human and be like, that's the piece I'm taking, right? So it was like my grandmother, she was, I mean, my mom used to keep me from my grandparents as a punishment for bad behavior or punishment for my dad not paying child support or not being there for me. And he didn't know how, so that was often. So I didn't get to see them as much as I would have liked to. And it was very torturous uh, for everybody involved. But my grandmother was a Christian and In the sense, like, she's the only Christian I've ever seen do it right, you know, because almost all of these books have horrific things in them and also wonderful things in them. And she just sort of, like, skipped over all the horrific stuff and was like, I love everyone and I will pray for everyone's heart and soul and health, regardless of who they serve, like, regardless of whether they're Jewish or Christian or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because the woman who used to babysit me who lived next door was a Holocaust survivor. Um, And, uh, yeah. Anyways, and um, and there were there were a lot of good traits that she had. Her unconditional love definitely kept me from like being raised in the ghetto. It is people disappear into drugs. Oh, I was going to tell you that story about my dad, and I forgot, but whatever. Um, part two, maybe. Um, people, you, yeah, you can- people disappear into drugs. Like you watch them. Like remember that that. Uh, that music video by Pink Floyd, The Wall, in the 80s, where people... Excuse me. God bless yeah. you. Yeah, The Wall. Or yep. whoever blessed you. Um, where people, where kids just fell off the conveyor belt on their little wooden desks, yeah. right? Yeah. You could see that happening in the ghetto. You could see the day when they had too much. And then they went from being... You know, you could see them in kindergarten and first grade. Like, we all cussed, but we were, like, cute, funny, like... Right. Rugrats that cussed and talked like our parents, but had good hearts. And then little by little, you could see like a third grade, the people who dropped off because life was just too much for them. And they went down, went, went down the drug route and were never coming back. Fourth grade, you lost more. Fifth grade, you lost more. But you could see the look in their eye before. Right. I'm a very empathic person. I see things in people constantly. But you could see weeks before the drug use, this look in their eye like, I'm checked out. I'm out. There's too much. Yeah, I'm done. And when would you see them? Oh, go on. I'll, I'll ask you. But 
the one thing that I didn't have in common with all these people was that my grandmother was this beacon of unconditional love. And I wasn't, and I knew, I didn't feel love in my home. I felt mostly pain from as long as I can remember, just the way that you may feel, the way you may, the, the best way I can describe it, because I have had lost people, but the way that you feel when someone dies, that's how I felt from four years, three years. I had suicidal ideations from three and four years old. That's how I felt from then until probably I was like 28 years old. It felt oh, like someone shit. had just died. Like I just gotten the phone call. You know that moment when someone yeah, says yeah. someone dies and you kind of like your knees give out? Yeah. That's how I felt for close to 30 years without a break. Right. And like, Oh my God. Yeah. And her, um, um, and, but her just no, like when I visited her, her unconditional love, cause everything has energy, I believe. And I don't care who argues with me. This has made me survive. So it's fucking truth to me, but her unconditional love, the amount that she held in her being and shared with me when I saw her was able to, in a moment, get rid of that for a second, right? And I'd just be filled with what love feels like, right? Wow. And so no matter how hard it got, even like there were times I had to beat the shit out of people at school. Because if you don't beat the shit out of somebody um, regularly, like at least a couple times a year, you become the object of constant, like getting jumped, getting beat up. I've had my head flushed down a toilet, like serious stuff. So like, and I was a really sweet kid, but at some point you're just like, all right. It's me or them. Yeah. So, and I never, like a lot of people would pick on somebody like me, like smaller. I always had holes in my shoes. My hair was frizzy. My clothes didn't fit. Some people would always pick that. I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to pick the biggest asshole. I'm just going to wait for the next person who spits on me and I'm going to jump on them. I can't believe I'm saying this right now publicly. And I would jump on them and just beat them until somebody pulled them off of me. But you would always do it to like a bully. I would wait for somebody to do something disgusting to me or somebody else. Somebody who like picked on somebody who was like mentally challenged. And I would just like come up, like jump over a table and land on, like, I didn't give a shit if he was a football player. Whoever the hell I was going to beat up was going to fucking deserve it because of this. I had an internal love, joy, peace, God, greater thing, whatever that existed inside of me. And I was not willing to give that up for anybody. So if I had to beat the shit out of somebody to keep myself safe, it was going to be somebody who fucking deserved it because I was not willing to give up my soul. Uh, I I think that's awesome. (laughs) No, I I mean, I thought you, because as you were saying it, I was like, ah, that kind of sucks that you would just go like beat on some kid that was just, I love that you picked Someone who just spit on and you were just like, I'm going to go nuts today. I would just which wait. Is, I would just wait. Which, by the way, beats. is what they tell you to do in prison, you know, or yeah, in, in it's anything. It's the same thing. I mean, poverty, my, poverty education is prison uh, training. I mean, my, my father-in-law always says, you know, he grew up in uh, in um, Woodside, Queens, and then in, in Stytown in Manhattan. And he, he said he, he's a pretty big guy, but he was small. He was always small. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, he said he didn't get bigger till later. But he was was quick and he, he, you know, he would get jumped sometimes walking to school and he would have to fight. And he was, a, I think he was a pretty, you know, decent fighter. But he he said, always, I go for the big guy. You have to. Because if he's First like, of all, were, it lasts longer. If there longer. were four guys. But, well, You're said, safer longer, the bigger the person well, you beat up. Well he, well, he also, yeah, he he would always say, you go for the big guy and usually the other guys 
would be like, oh, he meant for the big guy. He's nuts. Like, yeah. he's so much smaller yeah. than any of us. Yeah. And he just took down the big guy. Yeah. And he's like, so you just, you know, yeah. that's what you do. Yeah. So everything was about, because of my grandmother, everything was about surviving, which is true for everyone in the ghetto, uh, for lack of a, you know, better term. Uh, but it was also holding on to my light because I was one of the people who got to know what my light was because of this beautiful human mm. in my life. So that was the biggest thing that I took. But I kind of took things, you know, my grandfather was great to me, but he had PTSD and he had been abusive uh, to other people. And so there was some things to take from him. Like my ex always says that he taught me how to win because I knew how to melt his heart. And so like, like one time he took off his shoe when he was going to hit me when I was like five. I still remember this. And I was like, he... He's not going to do that. Yeah. Like, he's not my dad. He's not my mom. He's not the bad guy. I didn't know about his PTSD past. You know, in the Navy, a lot of bad stuff happened to him. But, um, and I just looked at him, like, with shocked eyes. And I was like, but you love me. And his fucking hand just, like, the shoe just fell out of his hand. And he just stared at me for a really long time. <laughs> and um, You broke through to him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I, he taught me how to win. Right. So like everybody, like everybody raised me like every per- I was so desperate for any way to survive that I was. And people tell me this all the time. Like I when I first met you, I didn't like you. It was like you were staring into my soul, stealing stuff from me. And <laughs> and it used to hurt my feelings when people said that. But as I got older and aware of myself, that's exactly what I'm doing. That's how I you am, survive. I am staring into your soul and I am trying to steal not a piece out of you. I want you to keep it for sure. But I am trying to steal the piece that I need to model to That's... make it to the next level of my life, no matter how. And people are flawed. Like sometimes it's this like bitch of a woman that everybody else has got something bad but to say. But you see something good. And I'm like, I don't know. She's yeah. got stuff we don't have. Right. Something. I Maybe I don't want to do it in the vehicle she's doing it. Right. Maybe I want to have But she's a, got a skill set that you need. she's got a skill need. set that I need. And totally. I do. I'm I like see. this while they're talking. Yeah. You know? I'm like, she's yeah. never going to talk to me again. She doesn't care if I stare at her autistically. Yeah. Well, that's how you're able to look at your... I feel like that's even how you're looking at your parents. It's actually great as an artist, you're... You're looking at people the way an actor looks at a character that they're playing without judgment, but trying to understand them. You yeah. know, like that's you, that's the job. For oh no! Us. Everything in my life led me here. Yeah, that's I what mean, I was gonna, so that was thing. what I was gonna say before because we'll we'll start to wind it down. We don't have to like cut it, but I want to. I just I sure. feel like we're roughly around. Oh, man, Who's gonna listen like, to this long? I'm not even a celebrity yet. Oh, <laughs> oh people are gonna listen. I'm going to tell them, you got to listen. No, this is amazing stuff. Uh, I um, want to get to what was it that made you think, when was it, what was it, how was it that you'd be an actor? Yeah. Okay. I know this story. I've told it a million times, actually. Um, So I joined the military because I was dyslexic. I didn't know how to go to college. I didn't have the grades for it. I knew if I stayed... I'd either die or become the greatest drug dealer of all times. Um, <laughs> and so uh, the recruiters came. I went to the military. I was there for a very short amount of time before I realized my ideology does not, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Cut to, I worked, I signed up on the preface that I had to do something in the medical field, that I would not be responsible for death in any way. Um, and they agreed to it, which they rarely do. Um, and so, and I, I always thought maybe I wanted to be a doctor because I do have a helper gene 
As much as I as much as I need to help myself, I need to help other people. It fuels me. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like maybe I'm making the world a better place. Like I just need it. Yeah. It's my soul energy. Uh, energy, yeah, uh, fuel. Uh, and so I thought I always wanted to be a doctor. And I was working first in med surge, and then I was working in OBGYN, and then I had moved up to ICU where it was my goal. And I I hated it. I hated it. I got really attached to my patients, even the ones that people hated, like racist, sexist, like grabbing me, Vietnam vets who drank their life away and pushed every person away in their family. Everyone else would be like, you know, maybe be like, F that guy. I don't care if he dies because the stuff coming out of their mouth is hard to whatever. And I'd still be like, oh, God, the PTSD made him lose everything. His daughter isn't even going to come see him die. Say, You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, he'd be in there trying to grab my tit and calling me the N-word and all this other stuff. And I'd still be, like, trying to give him some eye contact before he dies. Like, this is just... Just <laughs> give him dignity. Yeah. And and then they die. And I would didn't even realize it was depression yet, but I would sleep for two days, you know, and just be vacant, you know? And I was like, this probably isn't best for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not bad for my patients. But I could pretend to be my patients a nurse love me, or a doctor. But I could not sustain a life like this. And it was getting to be several months before I got out. And I was at a date where I had to decide if I was going to reenlist or do something else. I didn't want to go back to Ohio. I didn't see any path of success there. Um, I knew I'd fall back. All of my friends that I went to like elementary school with were now either drug dealers or prostitutes or in prison or dead. Um, I just couldn't imagine going back there and not falling into something that I didn't want to fall into. I mean, that's just, that's an amazing sentence right there. They were either drug dealers, prostitutes or dead. Or in jail. Or in jail. That's great. Um, Okay, go on. Sorry. It's okay. And I was like having this moment where I was like, I just don't know what I could do. And I was like, if I could find, I have not experienced a lot of happiness in my life. If I could find a moment when I was happy and see if there's a job that that does in any way, that's the job I'm going to do regardless of what it means. That's that's the story I told myself. And I spent a couple days just like walking around and like meditating before I knew what the word meditation was on this idea. And all of a sudden I remembered that when I was like nine years old, I was doing a church play. And in the middle of it, I had one of those moments where you go to the other place, you know what I mean? And you come back and it's so euphoric, but you're also kind of like, did I say my lines? Have I just been standing here? You know, and you look at the audience and they're looking at you with such admiration because whatever you did was phenomenal, but you don't remember it. Right. Right. And I was like that, that was the greatest moment of my life. You know, next to being loved by my grandmother, if I could say anything, they were almost parallel feelings, you know. Um, it's like life force energy feeling. Yeah, it's yeah. just so great. And I was like, I don't know if everyone who acts gets to have that moment, but I did. And if I could have that moment three more times before I die, that's worth a career in acting. So I decided I was going to come to L.A. I stopped dating people who didn't live in L.A. because I was living in Vegas <laughs> and there's a lot of people. That's a problem. I don't think L.A. is the spot. <laughs> no, but it was just like, no, I'm, I'm I feel joking. like a lot I'm of joking. girls, especially then, like this was pre like the women's movement we're in right now. But like a lot of girls would like have plans to do things and fall in love. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to fall in love with somebody that's yeah. from a different state or Vegas. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, If I date anyone, it's going to be people who live in L.A. 
um, or no one at all. And I, it's so lame that that was part of my plan, whatever. That's and, awesome. Um, yeah. So I told myself, I'm going to come out there and I'm going to give it, I think I gave myself, I think I gave myself two plans. If I don't have some kind of lead in six months, like just anything, anything that I could constitute lead, as a lead. meaning not like a lead role. No, 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 lead, just like, like, like any a kind lead of into the world of, sort, of it, right? Yeah. yeah, and if I'm not doing something on stage, even if it was like sweeping the floor within yeah. two years, I'm going to go back to school to be a doctor. So uh, I came out here and um, through some happenstance, uh, through a junior college, I ended up having to interview somebody at the Actors Gang. Her name was Blair Chandler. I love her with all my heart. Um, and I had to interview her for a school project. And she was like, wait, wait, who, who are you? And I told her some stuff about the military, a couple things. Wait, what do you mean for a school project? You had to I was doing, I had taken a theater 101 class. Where? At uh, Cerritos College oh, in okay. Cerritos. Okay. Um, and and uh, part of the assignment was go do this. Go see so a play. So you found this Because I was like, part. if I want to be an actor, I'll just take, here's yeah, the thing. Right. I didn't even know really how to enroll to in do. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I was pregnant at the time. And I was driving how old past, are you? 23 years old. Okay. And I was driving past Doritos College, and it said, few classes still available, and Theater 101 and Psychology 101 were one of them. And I saw that as a sign, because psychology is something I'm very interested in, clearly, and theater, and theater was what I moved out here for. And I was pregnant, and I was just at my six, I was, had been here almost six months. And that was, I needed some in, right? Yeah. And there was my in. So you pulled a UE. And I was at a red light. And I was deciding if I was going to get in, pull over. And I remember thinking, it was almost like it was my daughter's brain. Like, wherever I end up is where she's going to start. So I can't afford to not pull over. So I pulled over instead of going to the grocery store and I just got in line and signed up for those two classes. Holy shit. This is a great, <laughs> yeah, great stories. Thanks. That's um, awesome. So then you go there. So I go you, go, there. You, you go there. You're in this class. They say you got to go out and meet someone in the in the professional world of you theater. You have to go see a play. So you went and saw a play at you the have Actors to See a game. play, it, review it, and interview somebody from the company. First one I picked was the Matrix Company because I liked the movie The Matrix, but it was. But it had no those, affiliation to the Matrix. No, no but yeah. I just, but just didn't. Like know, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, you didn't shit. know anything. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know anything. Got it. Uh, I didn't know what upstage was. Right. Got I didn't it. know what a headshot was. Got it. So I. So I, so then they were like actors gang and I grew up around gangsters all my life. So I was like, well, maybe they're kind of like a reformed gang group or something. <laughs> and they'll this. like me because yeah. I'm kind of a little bit of a thug. So, um, so I was like, all right, the actors gang it is. So I went to see a play and it happened to be um, exonerated a bunch of, but a bunch, yeah, a bunch I of I saw people. that in New York. Yeah, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I saw that and I thought, well, it's a little bit boring because I wasn't, I didn't have a theater mind yet. It's very slow, right. but the content is phenomenal. Like, they yeah, care. just to tell people that they are listening, just to tell people that are listening, these are transcripts of actual people who were on death row and somehow got off and and survived. And this is their story. But and none of them were guilty to begin with. They weren't guilty. Most of and them they already knew, and some of them. Like Sunny, she was in jail for 20 years past being proven innocent. 
Holy shit, I didn't know yeah. that. Well, so so just to give a, a quick thing, so that's what it is. So it's actual transcripts, and they have actors. Usually, like when I saw it, it's a bunch of like kind of big name actors come and read these characters, yeah. and it's kind of like they, a lot of times they do it like in New York. I forget where it was somewhere in the East Village, and they do it to raise money or raise awareness for th- these th- these uh, programs. Well, but this anyway, was the so original production, so there the were original. no big and this actors. Is, is this there Tim Robbins talented. is uh, Tim Robbins is what the founding member. Yeah, of and he directs some of the shows. Actors he Gang. didn't direct he did this not. one. I think Jessica Blank directed it. She wrote it. Mm. I'm pretty sure she directed it also with her husband. Whose name is failing at this point. Okay, so you go there. Sorry to cut you, but you go there and you meet this, what's her name? Chandler? uh, Blair Chandler. Blair Chandler. Well, I went to see the play. What did she do at the, okay, go on. She was, she was an administrative person. At the theater, at the actor's game. Uh Uh-huh. And also happened to be uh, the intern coordinator. So um, I called like 11 times and they kept blowing me off. And I just, you know, just came from the military, so it was kind of Eleven like, of your 10,000 no's, go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, uh, every time, never irritated, ma'am. You know, I just need a moment of your time for the da-da-da. And finally, the 11th time, she was like, I have to blow you off again. But really, I do, I'm going to give you my lunch hour. I was like, I just need five minutes. And she was like, I'm going to give you my lunch hour. Call tomorrow at noon on the dot. And I call, I, I mean, I just came out of the military. I called, I mean, I was... In front of my phone. <laughs> waiting for a Waiting for noon and called her. And she picked up the phone and she was like, this is fucking Tony, isn't it? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, only you would call at noon on the dot. Only you. You did not go to UCLA, did you? And I was like, That's no, ma'am. Awesome. No, ma'am, I did not. And I asked her my questions and I told her how the show affected me. And I have honesty to the point where I might have a mental disorder. Um, so I told her how I thought it was boring. Um, but I also told her how I thought the content changed my life and that I couldn't believe people in L.A. cared about, you know, people from this area and that no one ever tells you that people in L.A. care about anything but themselves. And right, right. Just like crazy, crazy things. And she was just like, wait a minute, I just really need to hear your story. And I told her a little bit. And then she was like, can you send me a headshot? And I was like, um, I don't know. Could you? Uh, she was like, you don't have one yet? And I was like, I don't know what it is. And she was she like, was probably are you like, fucking serious? Yeah, she probably loved you. I mean, like, that's like that's like music to someone's ears. And it's not some like, that, that's like great. You're just yeah. like pure. Yeah. So then you she know. goes, uh, just do you, can you take a photo with your, do you have any photos of you? Can you just send me a photo? And I was like, sure. And she was like, could you send me a resume? And I was like, I have some letters of recommendation. I don't really have a resume. And she was like, who wrote them? And I was like, doctors. And she was like. Jesus Christ, send me those fucking letters. And a quick res, make a quick resume. Just put all your military stuff. Because I was like, I don't have an acting resume. She was like, not one thing. I was like, church plays from when I was like up to 12. And she was like, Jesus Christ. And I was like, and then she was like, just send me all that stuff. And I said, you know what? And this is the truth story. I said, I don't know if I have anything to offer you right now. Could I call back in like a year after I've done some stuff? And she went, honey. Shit like this doesn't fall on your lap very often. Hear me when I tell you, don't ever self-deprecate yourself. If someone sees something in you, walk in their direction. Send me the stuff. Wow. And I was like, okay. And she's just like a Southern, short Southern, ballsy. That's awesome. Talented, amazing woman. And I sent Blair her the stuff. Blair Chandler. Mm-hmm. Blair Chandler. She sounds Blair awesome. Blair Chandler. We love you. So I send her the stuff and I go in for an interview and I got the job. Uh, there was a paid internship, LA County internship. So I actually got paid to be there. They let me put a um, a, uh, a baby pin 
next to my desk. And my daughter would sit next to me while I answered the phone and did paperwork. Wow. I nursed publicly. Did not ever think that was something that I would be able to do. But I was around hippies. And I remember being like, can I go to the bathroom? Uh, the baby's hungry. And they were like, the bathroom? That's disgusting. Why, why wouldn't you just do it right there? And I was like, okay. And this <laughs> like, is I'm the- cool enough for that. <laughs> and this is just at like, the actor's gang. Yep. And in I'm Culver just like City. sitting. No, at this point they were at uh, Hollywood and Vine okay. in Santa Monica. Or on Santa Monica in Hollywood. Okay, got it. Um, near the Arclight. Yeah, um, but on Santa Monica. Okay, so you're near so like, like that theater up, row kind of, yeah. Yeah, and these people are so comfortable in a way that is not where I came from, right? Like yeah. artists, theater people, whatever. So I'm like nursing the baby with the phone, taking ticket orders, handling things. And like guy and girl actors are just walking in like... My boobs out, the baby's eating. Oh, the baby's so beautiful. Oh, what a beautiful moment. Oh, let me know if you need anything. Don't get up. You know, like just walking yeah, back yeah, and forth. Yeah. Like nothing. And it was like this moment where I went, I have no idea how to exist in this world with people who are so comfortable with themselves. But I want this so bad. Just to feel safe in the world with my boob out. Like, I just, <laughs> whatever that is, I want that so bad that I could feel myself like, even to this day, thinking about it, tearing up and just being like, this is my goal. Like, it's no longer to be on stage, which I know will just happen if I find that. But it's just to be this comfortable in the world where I could tell somebody else, do not feed your baby in a shitter. Yeah. Feed your baby at your desk. Yeah. Like, I just wanted that. And that's that was my uh, that was my in that I decided wow. I'm never and how giving long up. Did you, and how long did you work for them? Ten years. Ten years mm-hmm. answering phones. Answering doing phones. Stuff. I was a tour manager for them. Um, I was in shows. I was their administrative assistant for a while. I uh, helped. So they're like your surrogate family. Oh, absolutely. And you're still a member there, or uh, I still see shows, but I'm not a member anymore. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, and I even got to uh, teach acting in prison. Which was like a definite like full circle for me. They teach Commedia dell'arte inside of prisons and the prisons that they work in. I think they started with like two and now they're up to like hundreds, I think. That's awesome. Actually, um, uh, Pat Collins, the guy I told you about who did the youth group, there's mm-hmm. an actor, it was like the one actor I knew. He, uh, back on the East Coast, does he goes and directs plays at prisons and he casts the inmates and they come like it's like people that have had... Um, Inmates that have had good behavior are eligible uh-huh. for this, and he yeah. he said it's like it's really they're people awesome. who have never been heard, yeah, and they've never learned how to say anything. Yeah. And you give them a spot on stage and say, "You get to say this, and I'm going to listen." And it's the first time it's ever happened to them. Wow! And that's that's I mean, it was my moment with the boob. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, and, yeah. and and hundreds of thousands of other. Little moments like that. But every prison that they're in has the lowest reviticism rate that that prison has ever had. Every all like hundred or how. I don't want, don't quote me on how many, but it is many, many. It might be, I don't know how many. That's such a great, well, look, I I think this is, I'm going to just have you back at some point because we have, you know, you have to tell me the story about your dad. and So at some point in the future, Okay. We're, we're, I, I want to have you back because it's great talking to you. This is like amazing. I want to wrap it up for now. But sure. I was just going to say the things that come to my mind are what a great testament you are to the best side of 
art and showbiz and acting in terms of, you know, there's a lot of shittiness about it. There's a lot of shadiness about it. There's a lot yeah. of like ego about it. There's a lot of like emphasis on the wrong things about yeah. it, but your story and you and the way you talk about it and talking about it in the prison is, you know, before I was saying when I'm in my best self, it's like you talking about it is like acting's best self. Like Aww. the fact that, <laughs> no, really like your story, the fact that it, it it's like the way you describe it, it's, it's as though, it, and that's what I think, um, what the beauty of art and why we yeah. need it in yeah. society yeah. is in its best form, it allow, it says to someone, you can be heard, yes. you know, and it says to people that are not, you know, participating, but just audience members like, hey, I'm going to tell this story. I'm going to write this play or make this movie or whatever. And it's going to voice your concerns and give you a voice. And some of and, them are your secret ones that you've never said out loud. Yeah. So you get to know that this thing that you thought was your secret flaw that no one else had and you would go up and you see it on a screen or on a on a theater on a a stage part of the human race after all yeah it's it's so it's really so uh amazing to me and and so the way you put it all in this whole conversation just has blown me away i can't thank you enough for coming and being so honest and open and articulate and um and really just wise Thank you so much to Tony Torres. That was such an inspiring conversation. I hope you guys were as inspired as I was. You can see her on Instagram at the Tony Torres. That's at T H E T O N I T O R R E S. Or on Twitter at Tony Torres One.